Welcome into DNVR Watches, The Mandalorian Season 2 Finale. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm flying solo on this one because, well, Super Producer Kale is super producing. He's got some Nuggets stuff to do tonight. Uh, we've got to take care of our, our sport, sport stuff first and foremost, but we know that first and foremost in the worlds of many nerds out there, right now is of course the season two finale of the mandalorian i've got to give of course up front here a big 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 spoiler warning uh we are we're diving into it right uh if you haven't seen the episode please come back later uh because <laughs> because I, I don't see any other way that i can uh, have a full conversation about this especially you know kind of here by myself uh, without diving into all the big juicy things that there are to talk about here in this season two finale. And also because of that, if you're hanging out with us either on Twitch or following the DNVR gaming uh, Twitter channel, hopefully you're subscribed to the DNVR watches podcast feed, but you can hit me up in the comments section. If you've got any questions, thoughts, feelings, opinions, emotions, hopes, dreams, despairs, desires, all of those things, share them with me here in the comments section. I'll start with obviously the big one. Like I said, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. We're good? Okay. I hope we're good. I hope we're ready. So, Luke Skywalker was in the episode. Did you guys notice that? Did you see that part where we're at the end there? Uh, there was, uh, so let let me begin with the the negative, since uh, th those of you who know me know I'm, I'm not inclined to dwell on the negative there is the one part of this it's like mandalorian had been for a while this great thing in the star wars universe that didn't have to be attached to the skywalkers in any way right and that was one of the big complaints about the new disney trilogy is it's like man we're still doing the skywalker saga and everyone's got to be related to everybody in this really you know it's the star wars and there's how many millions, billions probably of people involved on in all these different planets. And we stick to the same like handful of families in all the stories. And so there's that one part of you. And, and I will say, and I'm watching it with, uh, I am flying solo, but I've, I've, I've got another producer off camera. I'm watching it with my girlfriend tonight. And we, you know, we see that the Jedi come in and we're going, okay cool, a new Jedi that we're going to get excited about and have to get to learn about, or, or, you know, maybe it's someone from the deeper canon or something like that, that uh, some of the people who are more familiar with all of the, I don't want to call it side stuff, that makes it sound trivial, but the, the stuff that is the, the movies that come out in the theaters, you know, people who are fans of that stuff, and it was Luke Skywalker, <laughs> it, it ended up being, it was like, no, it's, it's the same guy. Um, and then the other, you know, so so that's kind of a negative. I've never personally had that problem with Star Wars. I do see the potential. I do have, I don't need the Skywalkers in my Star Wars. And I do, you know, I, I've enjoyed plenty of video games in the Star Wars universe that don't have any Skywalkers in them and, and things like that. And I'd be down to see, and, and it sounds like we're going to get a bunch of other stuff and assuredly it won't all have them in it. But I could see if, that was your first reaction wasn't the 
hooray that everybody, not everybody, that a lot of people out there probably had that, that you're probably seeing a lot on Twitter of just, oh my God, Luke Skywalker. If some people are like, oh, well, I get it. But I will admit, I was still like, nah. <laughs> I, I was still more in that category. Hooray. Uh, nice to see you. The other one negative I think that you could probably point out about this is the CGI, kind of wonky, right? Little, little bizarre. Um, I felt like the face swapping stuff or the, what I don't know what the technology is, but that they did in Rogue One uh, was a lot cleaner, looked a lot better for, and that seems weird to me. Maybe it's just budget stuff. Uh, I don't know. Uh, an, another reason why it's like, man, if it could have just been a new, cool, mysterious Jedi uh, that we got to learn about or we got to wonder about, that I see how that could have been better. At the same time, R2-D2 wouldn't have showed up. <laughs> so, so that was just as cool, right? You almost forget for a minute. You're lost in the nostalgia of the one character. And then you go, oh, man. But also R2-D2's here now, too. But, you know, what do they do? Having the interaction... And, and seeing those sort of iconic characters, obviously Grogu isn't Yoda, but still seeing a Yoda, an R2-D2, a Luke Skywalker, yes, it, it makes us all kids again, you know, but it, the CGI is, is, again, another one of those things that I tend not to have as many issues with. Uh, when people go, oh, man, that looked really wonky. But I, I, I will, I mean, it it didn't look the best. <laughs> I didn't note it. And when I'm noting it, you go, ah. Eh. But uh, if it's what's best for the story, I don't mind. I, I really don't care. And in this particular instance, especially the way he was introduced, and in the, in, that gets your heart rate going, that gets all the hairs on your arms standing upright when he's going through wrecking all the droids and just doing all the badass things that you want to see a badass Jedi do. And... Um, yeah, it was really, really cool. It was extraordinarily well done, minus the the complaints about the CGI, obviously, that, where you're going, man, the, the face looks kind of wonky. But it was, uh, man, it was, it was bold of them to do this. Uh, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of cynical people out there talking about all the things that I've just talked about and making those the main headlines, the CGI, the why does Luke Skywalker have to be in everything. But for me... Uh, this really was one of the more emotionally impactful episodes of The Mandalorian. And all of that stuff really served as an aside, right? It, it really set the stage for the moment, right? The moment of the episode, which is Mando saying goodbye to Grogu. And, you know, we do a, we do a play of the game every week on this show, and it's usually some incredible athletic feet and there were several with the Beskar spear uh there was one particular move in the battle with Moff Gideon against the uh when he had the dark saber where he like kicked the thing back over his shoulder to set him up into a good position I found that to be particularly tasty as a combat move but no I'm sorry I it has to be runner-up play of the game is Mando taking off his helmet so that he could say goodbye to to baby Grogu with his actual face and you know not want that part of his past or, or who he's supposed to be or, or whatever he's adopted even uh, as a Mandalorian to matter more to him than being a father 
being a dad. That's what he was. He was a dad. And he's doing what he thinks is best for his kid. And that means giving him up right now. And you could just see the heartbreak. And Pedro Pascal's performance was phenomenal in that moment. It really was. It was, it was tear-jerking. And it, it was a great moment uh, for the show. I, I really did think it was the most emotionally impactful moment so far. Uh, and one of the more emotionally impactful moments in the recent history of Star Wars, right? It, it it set it all up. It was it got us there, and it was all because we care so much about these two characters, and we love them so much. We were torn apart when they were torn apart. We couldn't stands to see them not be together, and then they were back together but for just a moment just so that they could say their goodbye just so he could do what he feels like is is best for him and it's hard to argue with you know giving him over to a jedi who's going to take him and teach him about these of the force versus keeping him in this lifestyle of like pirates and bandits and and running you know roughshod over the galaxy but it's uh when he says of course you know i'll see you again that that puts it for us to to hope for that out there in the future but for whatever else you you may say for however you may want to cynically pick this thing apart i've got to say that uh, i i thought it was a great emotional payoff for the two seasons that we have spent so far with these characters particularly the main two uh, there, there were some great moments in here and i don't know how i'm going to try to update the character power rankings all by myself this is going to be a tough one here uh, but there were some great moments from a lot of the side cast. Really, the first half of the episode, I felt like was a great showcase for Bo-Katan getting back into it, Boba Fett, and then we got to talk about him at the end, him and Fennec, and how fantastic that looks like it's going to be uh, for me, uh, especially because, as, as you all know, I'm like, uh, and I'll talk about it now because she's not going to make the power rankings, but I really like Fennec as a character and I really like Ming-Na as an actor and I really want to see them do more with it. She's just always kind of been there and like, I want to see more of that, which is actually very reminiscent of original Boba Fett, right? Who was kind of a, a side piece, a, a, an interesting character who you saw in the background of these scenes in the original movies and you wanted to find out more and we didn't get to for so long. And so it's great that they've set us up for all of that. But they got to do some cool stuff, um, great action scenes early on. And then obviously the last half of it is all about the emotional payoff and and the, and the Luke Skywalker moments. And, and I think they nailed it. Uh, other than, you know, I could, having maybe asked for a little better CGI. And, and as far as having Skywalkers back in it, that all depends on where they take it and and, and what happens now with uh, baby Grogu, but well done. Very, very, very well done in my estimation and uh, really a, an achievement for this show to be able to take us to that, that place with two new characters. As much as, you know, they bring in all these people who some of us are from, obviously the big one being Luke Skywalker, but even before that, Ahsoka Tano, Bo-Katan, uh, Boba Fett, 
these people they're bringing back and, and giving us all the nostalgia thing. It re- the, the season and the show has been built around those two characters. And I'll, and I'll go ahead and start the power rankings now. And that's why they have to be one and two. They have to end the season one and two. And I thought maybe other characters would make a, a strong bid for it. Um, but Mando rightfully reclaims the top spot on the character power rankings because he did all of the things you wanted him to do. Go to the absolute lengths that it takes to protect his kid. And then ultimately even making the sacrifice of having to part ways with him because he believes that that's what's best for him. But everything from jumping in front of him, literally to to save him from blaster fire, all the things we talked about, taking the the helmet off, the performance from Pedro Pascal. He really was fantastic all season. Uh, And these last two episodes in particular... And it is unfortunate, but but I think they handled it well, the dynamic of having the mask and not. Because for an actor, I remember, you know, and we I've been, I think I've mentioned this, we've been going back and watching Star Trek The Next Generation. And I remember listening to an interview one time uh, with LeVar Burton, who plays Geordi LaForge. You know, he's got that, that, that thing over his eyes for almost all the time he's on camera. And he said, you know, it's a real challenge for an actor to bring you into a character without the eyes. So much work is done with the eyes and people connect with you through, through your eyes and then other parts of your face, you know, from there. And so for Pedro Pascal, we haven't been able to see his eyes. We haven't been able to see his mouth, any of that stuff most of the time, but I think he still managed to get us to care so much about him. And then it's that much more powerful. It's almost like a baseball player taking the weight off of the bat because the second he takes the helmet off and the emotions are already there on his face and we already care so much about this character dynamic, it's just it's really powerful stuff. So as much as people may go out and be cynical about, oh, it relies too much on nostalgia and this is all about Luke Skywalker and R2-D2, like they were window dressing. They were fun, yay, aha, I get to clap and cheer because I'm a Star Wars fan moments. The I didn't get all teary-eyed at the end because Luke Skywalker showed up. It was all about the relationship between Grogu and Mando. And that was powerfully done. It was powerfully executed, and they deserve the one and two spot. You know, Grogu only falls back to number two because we're still kind of waiting for him to do some stuff. I wasn't sure. Um, I don't know if we can give him credit for this. Give me your, your comments, questions. Katie, let me know if you've got a thought on this. When Grogu was putting his hand on the screen as Luke's coming in and and wasting dudes, was he just having a moment saying hello, reaching out, saying, oh my goodness, there's a Jedi? Or was he helping? Was there some sort of force? Were they working in tandem? Um, Because if you could convince me that, I still think he's a number two spot. But we've been talking a lot about like, When's he going to use his force powers? What's he going to do? And I wasn't sure if he was helping there or if he was just kind of like getting in the moment, you know, feeling it. It's like, man, this Luke guy is killing it right now. Um, Snapping, this is a great question. With the amount of Grogu merchandise, is Disney taking a risk sending him off the series? And it it looks like the snapping is macho man. So, oh, yeah. Uh, Thanks for asking that question. And I think... 
I don't think they're going to send him off the series for all that long, but because yes, they would <laughs> because of what you just said, right? Like we will not be without Grogu for long. Uh, it really will be interesting to see how they try to tackle this dynamic though, right? They've hopefully not painted themselves into a corner because I think we can tolerate a half a season of the Mandalorian with no baby Yoda Grogu. And, but he's, he's got to be mentioned. It's got to be in the ether, right? They, it can't just be assumed or they could make us almost try to forget and care more about these other characters and then surprise us when he comes back. But I feel like that's a harder trick to pull off, especially because we all know what, what you just said. We all know that we we're going to get more Grogu. They just named him. Uh, and there's no way they would rob themselves of, of the obscene amounts of money that you can make on Grogu. So uh, I, I'm with you. I, I don't, yeah, I, I'm, I'll be very curious though. I, I'd like to see him try to go four episodes, go four episodes without him in it. And maybe don't even mention him for the first three. That'd be tough to pull off though, because so much of the show has been built around him. The question is, you know, it's going to feel weird if next season starts and the very first plot is all right mando's trying to reunite with grogu right like he's already going to do something to find him again he's going to the jedi temple for whatever like no like no well there is no jedi temple but <laughs> sorry for a minute slipped out of the timeline for a minute there um but yeah i uh it's going to be very interesting to see how they answer that question so if you've got any others keep them coming the next part of the character power rankings, I think, get pretty difficult here. Um, Moff Gideon had a hell of an episode, which is an interesting thing to say for a villain who's mostly been a ghost presence, sort of the Jaws presence on the show for a while, right? And that's for those of you who, who aren't familiar with it, right? Jaws was a movie about a big honking shark. But, but the, a lot of the tension and drama was built around the fact that you really don't see the shark until the very, very end. And, and there's bits and pieces of it and you hear about it. They talk about it. And Moff Gideon has, has been a lot like that. And then, you know, we do finally see the shark and he loses, right? Uh, he loses the fight. So he really hasn't, in a way, we haven't seen him do badass things. And yet... In defeat, he still manages to twist the knife and, you know, pull off the whole trick with the dark saber of, you know, now he's got to pit Mando and Bo-Katan against each other, which is almost more evil than him having just won the fight or something like that. Uh, he got to deliver a great performance again. Uh, and... I don't know. It's tough, man, because again, it's like, like he sort of got his ass kicked and got thrown into cuffs and, and is in custody now. And then even his second attempt to like break out and, and have his droids come to his rescue, like that doesn't work. Uh, his attempt to shoot baby Yoda doesn't work. And then Cara Dune just busts his face in and he's done. And yet, and yet, even when he was in cuffs, he felt like he had an amount of control over our heroes 
that he was exerting his power. And I, I thought that was very effective. It'll be interesting to see if he can come back and recover from this and feel as as scary of a presence now that we've seen him defeated, right? Now that we've seen him captured and bloodied and, and whatever, even though I do think that the strength of the character comes on his intellect and, and his ability to manipulate our heroes. So can Moff Gideon move up to number three despite... I don't know. That one's that one's tough, but I feel like I feel like he's got to go there because I feel like then Bo Katan at four and Boba Fett falls back to number five. I think that's where we've got to do the power rankings for now. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Is there anybody I'm leaving out? I can't get Fennec in there, and I'm not gonna throw Luke Skywalker onto the power rankings here at the very end just for showing up. Um, oh, you know what, though? No, with with the with the post-credit scene, I'm actually going to go ahead and move Boba Fett ahead of Bo-Katan because that's just such a, a compelling setup. And seeing him right back in that environment was so cool where we first saw him in that room in, in Jabba the Hutt's den there. And sitting on the throne and and them announcing the new project, the Book of Boba Fett, because of that. And we're obviously going to see more Bo-Katan. There's the whole story of, you know, her trying to retake Mandalore and what are they going to do with the Darksaber. So we know there's more to be told there as well. And and I thought she had a very good episode, but I've got to give the edge now to Boba Fett on the strength of the post-credit scene uh, when you when you dunk that hard at the end of the game, that's what people remember, uh, and so <laughs> you got to give it up for for Boba Fett there. Um, also, the, his uh, his reaction in the scene where uh, th- they go to meet the other Mandalorians and and when they're being real snotty about him not being a Mandalorian and that not being his armor and him being a clone and. That, that scene was great. I, I really enjoyed that. And I thought his emotional reaction to that was kind of the best part of it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Are we, are we happy with those power rankings? Bo-Katan at five. Boba Fett at four. Can, now, that's the question. Here's the final question we've got to answer before we can log off of this thing was Boba Fett, because he, was, he wasn't in the episode that much. He was there at the beginning, helped them get in. Ship got to do some cool things. As I said, he had that really dope scene early on where they were clashing with the other Mandos. And then just the post-credits, right? He didn't really show back up for that. So I don't know that I can move him ahead of Moff Gideon. Katie, what do you think? Thoughts? Moff Gideon. He's just such a compelling villain. But he, he, I mean, he got his ass kicked. It's a little early. Like, I, I, as much as I don't think that plot-wise the episode shouldn't have gone that direction, like, makes sense. We had to set up some pieces and 
I, I think everybody's in an interesting place. I really want to see where it goes just from the characters. Like if I'm judging it like professional wrestling, right? It's like the character, like basically they built up this heel for months and months. And all he would do is like squash matches against a bunch of jobbers, right? And then they finally put him in a championship match against the Mandalorian. He just got his ass kicked. <laughs> like he tapped out. Like that's tough, man. Boba Fett didn't do much other than get like a new show announced. I mean, he created the distraction. He did create the distraction. All right. All right. Because of that, and actually, and actually, and, and I'm glad I thought of this because I wanted to mention it and I didn't really uh, take these kinds of notes uh, for this, but we, we've got to put Boba Fett at number three, also in honor of the actor who just passed away. Of course, Jeremy Bullock dying at the age of 75, the actor who originally played Boba Fett in the suit uh, back in the day. And what amazingly weird timing that we're all talking about the character again and loving on the character again. And he's been trending in those kinds of things, you know, in the last couple of weeks, this character who uh, Mr. Bullock brought to life and uh, th that it would be not too long after that, that he would sadly pass away. But to see that the legacy of Boba Fett is going to continue. Um, and really this show does not exist without Boba Fett. The, the Mandalorian concept all arose out of people wanting to know more about the design of this character, the performance of the character, all of it, who in the original trilogy is on screen for maybe 15 to 20 minutes, maybe. And I'd have to go back. He's not in the in the first movie or the fourth movie at all, right? I did. We're gonna have to get. So I'm, I'm working on putting together a really fun panel of some actual Star Wars experts, and not just a fan who likes this stuff like me. We're gonna bring on some DNVR folks who really know their Star Wars before too long. So if you were thinking, "Hey, man, season finale," so are we done with this? Not quite yet. We've got a couple more podcasts in the Star Wars universe to come your way. And to wrap up this whole Mandalorian thing, got to get Kale's final thoughts on our season finale of character power rankings, of course. And we got to talk to these guys about some fantastic Star Wars stuff that they're doing and about their thoughts on this season of The Mandalorian and all the new Star Wars stuff that's going to be out there because it's going to be, I think, a whole lot of fun. I'm, I'm very, very, very excited about the future of Star Wars. And I think most people are as well <laughs> obviously there's some people like it's too much well then don't watch it then just don't watch it the rest of us are going to have a fun time hanging out with each other watching it appreciate all of you hanging out with me for this um riding solo here talking a little mandalorian like i said there'll be a few more make sure you're subscribed to the dnvr.com make sure you're subscribed to the dnvr watches and gaming podcast feeds we really do appreciate it and hanging out with us in the discord so that you can share all of your theories on all of this stuff with us uh, may the force continue to be near you and thanks for hanging out talk next time